Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 199 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We are a podcast of science and comedy and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. And I'm Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I'ma get salty. Oh, crap. I didn't even... <laughs> God, sorry. That's all right. We'll get it right. Episode 200, I'm sure. Oh, it's just... Sweet... I just thought I didn't even think about what I was going to call this one. And I'll be looking at the short arm of colonization. But before we get there, Gregoire, what happened to you this week in science? Well, this week in science, Dan, I just wanted to bring the audience up to date on where I live now. So I thought that was an important part of, of where we are. So they may know. You've moved to the top of a pole. <laughs> now it's, I, I live in a bowl. I am a stoic. And uh, that's it. And that's in the street. And so I'm just going to be there forever now. And people can throw me food. I don't know. Uh, but yes, I've moved back across to the east coast of Australia. So we are now in the same city, though we are not in the same room recording this right now. Nor are we in the same city. Are we not in the same city? No, because you live in Brisbane. And it I is. live temporarily with family members outside of Brisbane. Oh, there you go. Well, that's true. So we're not even new readers. The house is still destroyed. Oh, no. It is. Oh, God. So I've moved back over. And so I, we, it makes things a lot easier for podcasting. Well, in the future world. Right now, it's very similar. I'm just looking at Dan it's through a identical. tiny screen. Identical. Yes, exactly. Except that our timing can be much easier. Dan yeah. doesn't have to work out when Western Australia, you know, two hours difference or three hours difference or something like that. True. And, so, you know, we'll be able to record in the same room. Oh, I am going to have to get some new recording gear. Now, why? What happened to that last recording <laughs> gear? Oh, no. It's all, it's all underwater. Uh, but I, I just wanted to, why I was going to bring it up and not just to say I was here. I just had some, some listeners actually had worked it out and somehow, I guess from different social media things, I just thought I'd just mention it here, but also just wanted to talk about an experience I've had recently of, of working with people and working with, yeah, different people, different types. So we, as people, we find people who look like us and act like us and sound like us safe. And that's it's just a physiological thing, I think. So it's if someone's kind of similar to you, the same skin color and the same gender and all, you know, roughly the same money levels, etc. Facial hair. Facial hair, that sort of stuff. Then you, fi- you, you don't feel scared because... Let's face it, when people are different, they're probably going to steal your stuff. That's, that's the fear of it. Like, oh no, someone's different. They're going to come and do something terrible to me a long time ago. Like, that's probably what happened. If, if you didn't know someone, if you'd walk mm-hmm. around the corner in the valley and there was someone with flaming red hair and, and very dark skin and you weren't that, you didn't look like that, then you'd be like, uh oh, this could end badly for it's me. It's like, what have they come for? It's like, they've come for your shit. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and, and it's they're, just. Well, and why are they carrying those sacks? Yes, exactly. So I understand on a physiological level. And so we surround ourselves with people who kind of look like us, sound like us, think like us, because it's nice and safe. Don't feel bad about it particularly. Babies, we've talked on the podcast before, even babies have been shown that if you show a face that doesn't look like a face that they've seen a lot, they respond negatively. They, they yep. get a bit, Babies, they, super racist. Super racist super babies. Super racist. <laughs> like all those people are like, oh no, racism's got to be learned. It's got to be taught. It's like, nah, babies nah. start off super racist and you got to fix them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like so many levels. Babies are 
ridiculously. They, they are they are ostensibly completely broken, and you yes. have to fix them. Every part of them. Evolution then, went. We've got to push this out quickly because the brain can't get any bigger. We've got to get them out. They're, not, they're undeveloped, and we'll just let them continue cooking for eighteen to twenty-five years. After they get out of the body. The brain is already so big, it tears the vagina uh, apart. Uh, Wait, we cannot let this thing incubate any longer. <laughs> yes. It's, it, yeah. Mm, good Lord. So we surround, we surround ourselves with people who look very similar to ourselves. And this gives us safety and comfort. But it also breeds in, in, breeds in weakness. And I'm going to... I'm going to paraphrase one of my favorite movies, an anime by called, called Ghost in the Shell, where the major Kusanagi actually says that, you know, specialization breeds in weakness. That's why they're all cyborgs and they have a non-cyborg on the team, because if you're all the same and you all think the same, then then you can get taken out. All it takes yeah. is one virus or one thing and you're done. Uh, people who play World of Warcraft, they know that. <laughs> exactly. Don't just send in a whole bunch of tanks. Who's going to heal them? Don't know how World of Warcraft works. Dots. More dots. (laughs) So I was very lucky to work with an organization before where I got to work with people who didn't look like me. It was an international center of all things. So people from all different parts of the world, different age groups, different genders, different orientations of all sorts, different uh, levels of neurodiversity. And I found it really challenging, but also really useful. And I found it that I learned a lot about the world and more to the point, it sort of opened my brain up to not staying in a very set kind of way. And I would just listen to people and go, why do they think that? Well, it's not how I think about it. It's not what all the middle-aged white dudes like me think. I wonder why. And so it wasn't <laughs> that they were always right or wrong, but I, it, they sometimes had people had different ways of looking at it. And I found it really, really, really useful after a while. It became a, I'll just go chat to other people and get their, canvas a lot of different people's ideas that didn't look or sound like me or think like me or come from where I come from and do what I do and just see what they think. And gave me a much better idea of not being a giant dick on so many different <laughs> different levels. And I I would say to the audience, yeah, give it a go. Um, try and work out: Are you only getting your information from people who look and sound like you, whatever that is? And try and reach out if you can with other people. That's probably the best humans. But even if you can't, then there's you know YouTube and TikTok and all sorts of things where you can go find people who don't look like you and don't sound like you, who don't have the same ideas of you and give them a listen. Even if sometimes you may go, oh, I don't like that idea. I'm not saying go back week after week and get yelled at by a horrible human being, but go, wait, is there anything about what they're saying is good, bad, and then make a decision and throw them to the wind if you need to. That's fine. Like, protect yourself. Don't hurt yourself to to be open. But it was such a profound experience for me over the years to talk to people who weren't like me. I'm very much now trying to find people who aren't like me to chat to, just to keep an eye on them and go, oh, why? Why do they think that? So, yeah, there's your homework. That's a, that's a really good point, and I, I really agree with it 100%. I don't know what it is about it, but for some reason, I'm really on board with this idea that you're sharing with me. <laughs> we, we are two middle-aged white dudes. It's very true. But not all our audience are, and they're listening to us too. It's true. My God. So, so, yeah. So, I think, yeah, to paraphrase what Greg's saying, if you're from a minority, make sure you listen to white men. <laughs> that is not what Greg's saying. Not just what Greg's saying. <laughs> what about you, Dan? What about your week of science? Over a decade ago, 
I had a couple of BCC. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just going to stop you there. That's look, look, I brought up a few years. That's fine. It's like the week in science is just getting blown out now to a decade. Is it? It's just, it's just an arbitrary time period. It's a Plutonian week in science. <laughs> oh, you know, you're going to walk with shame on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how fast that guy spins around. <laughs> like 270 something off the top of my head year earth years for plutonian year but but a week is a different thing a week is seven days right oh good point it's not oh 152nd of a year oh, oh i see what you're saying oh yes like, yes because like venus oh. like its weeks go are going backwards yeah, like it's, they, it's, it's going true. into negative yeah yeah oh. <laughs> like yes. if you took a holiday on venus you could actually uh come back a week before you go on holiday again. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, yes, I have no idea how fast Pluto spins on its yeah. axis. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, you're right. Okay, all right. So yes, doesn't matter anyway. Not a real planet. Not a real so, planet. So over a decade ago, I had a couple of BCCs, basal cell carcinomas. They are a skin cancer that begins on the surface of the skin and spreads laterally. They very rarely pose any real danger except to your appearance. They're signified by odd patches on your skin, maybe a little shiny spot or a lump, maybe darker or pale or pink, basically anything different. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is what I had. This is what was chopped out of me. A couple on my arm and one on my pretty, pretty face. Mm. It was on your nose, wasn't it? Just, you, you, for a while then you covered, yes. you covered your nose up with a, with a thing, yep. like a bandage. I, I looked like the guy from uh, House of the Dragon. The... <laughs> Now, if you let them grow, they become larger and unsightly. They can grow tumours down into the body and affect bones. Mm. And if these tumours grow too large, they can put pressure on other organs in the body, causing ill health. So keep an eye on them and cut them out. Mm. Now, 10 years later, I have had another one cut out on my arm. i got a little Igor, little Igor scar there. Oh, yes, yes. That's about four centimetres long. Chunk cut out of me pretty cool watching the skin just grow back together it's like nah this isn't right we're going back to like just cut a bit out and it's like we can deal with that that's yeah. amazing well i i've got one of my arms so i've got the same thing i've got one of my arms roughly the same size and it was cut out and i always remember that the um the doctor was like you can look away and i was like cool and then i didn't i didn't look away and then i wish i had it was actually quite weird to me to watch my brain went no no no, don't watch this like i, I got a very strong signal to go do not watch this and so i i was and the nurse was like yeah that's what most people do and I'm like, that's fine but i was because i was intrigued like while i was cutting it all out mm-hmm. so they cut it out they, they covered it all up and then they said okay gonna go home I said, oh i'm going back i'm going to work and she was like pardon me and I went, i've got to go to work i can just this is just a morning procedure and she went uh you're gonna be in a lot of pain very soon like here's here's some painkillers and things like you know it's all gonna be like when the numbing wears off and so she gave me all these painkillers and said when it goes just leave work like don't and i spent the whole day going okay pain okay pain i'm ready for your pain i'm ready for your pain all right wait <laughs> and the whole day passed i never it was just, nope no it's fine and it never happened i felt really like weirded out and it, look it hurts but it wasn't like this she was like by the way the world will end you know of pain yeah. and i was like it kind of hurt but it didn't wasn't your super doctor sucks or, or no his nurse sucks <laughs> or maybe she's worked with doctors who suck because my guy is like the best guy <laughs> and and it was fine it got a bit itchy on day yeah. three I, I actually poked mine. Like I, the, the day I woke up, uh, they woke up the next day waiting for the pain and we're like, there's no pain. And so I stuck my finger in it and that hurt. Uh, cause I was like, is it, 
is it not there? And the, no, no, there was a hole in me and I just poked into my own flesh and that was real dumb and that hurt. So, uh, yes, don't do that. But I was a bit confused by the w- waiting for the pain, the walls of pain, which never came. Yeah. No. no, no. I'm it's sure hard. it happens to some people. Yeah. I had another weird problem, aside mm. from the one that he found on my arm. I had a little tiny sore in my ear that wouldn't stop bleeding. Ooh. And guess what else is an indicator of a BCC? Mm-hmm. So I need to go to a plastic surgeon and have a chunk cut out of my ear. But, you know, that's the price I pay for living in the beautiful Australian sunshine. (laughs) That nuclear reactor wants to kill us at all times. Please remember that. That thing in the sky is not our friends. Mr. Burns has it right. Long has man dreamt of destroying the sun. Yeah. Does nothing good. So that's five BCCs that I've had now. If only there were a way to minimise them. Mm. Now, staying out of the sun, wearing sunscreen, is a good way to prevent melanomas. But BCCs aren't necessarily caused by an excess of UV light. They can trigger by very small amounts of UV light, and you can't really cut it out completely. Not only that, but UV can suppress the immune response, preventing the body from shutting down this mutant cell. Mm. Professor Diona Damien and her team at the University of Sydney discovered that taking vitamin B3 prevents this immune response slowdown and drops the amount of BCCs by 23%. Wow. So we have finally found a use for vitamins. (laughs) Now, I could take vitamin B3 every day to reduce my BCs by around 25%, but that would currently mean 7,000 pills every 10 years to prevent one BCC, mm. because that would be 25% of my BCCs in a 10-year period. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of pills. So that's a lot of pills. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much they weigh, but that might be my weight in pills. <laughs> okay, so if my rate of BCCs increases, it might be worth looking at, but at the moment, I can't eat 7,000 pills. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be two a day, roughly. Two a day. Mm. Two a day for 10 years to prevent... One of out of four BCCs. Yeah, yeah. But if it's if it's if it's that one, then that's that's great. If it just gets rid of that one entirely, perfect. But then I've got four, three left. Yeah, but that that they they were going to come anyway, so it's it's prevented the one, and that's fine. So you just that's what I'm saying. That's a lot of pills. I'll just take that a BCC. I think. Well, just well, how about it? why don't you just take four times the eight pills a day and get rid of all of them. You just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to eat now. Is that's, that's not how stats work, but that's fine. <laughs> that's that's it. So, how's your, how, so you have a, actually have a bleeding ear at the moment? That's no good. No, it stopped. Like, once he did the, the little thing, yeah. it, it's, it healed up. Oh, okay. So now someone's got to go and just clear up all the rest of it. They did the yeah. biopsy, and the oh. biopsy took the bit that kept bleeding. So, yeah. and then the yeah. bit that was left healed up, and so it's fine now. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but I still yeah. have to go and pay an exorbitant amount of money. Ugh. Last time it was like a grand, but that was ten years ago. So and that was to fix I, to fix bits, or that was fix? to fix the nose. Oh, okay, yeah, right. This okay. is just an ear, so maybe it's not a bigger deal. Yeah, you get like an Inspector Gadget ear, like a like a like a big metal thing, like a like a dog's cone of shame, just so you can hear better. Oh, yeah, like one of them big horns. Yes, oh, yes. that's what you need. You go, hey, what's that, Sonny? be great. I went to the doctor to get a big horn. 
Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to workshop that. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I know you and I have talked about my interest in a, an IP called by Games Workshop called Warhammer 40,000. Oh, uh, yes, the little, the little plastic toys. The little plastic toys, that's right. And I enjoy the, I enjoy the painting of it. It's, I have very bad dexterity in general. So it's been really a good way of practicing that. And I enjoy the learning about paint and painting things. And it's been fun. It's a fun hobby of mine. And I also enjoy the IP. I, I enjoy the silly stories and the madness of it all. And just it ter- is such an odd pairing of like Zen like focus on delicate and very specific <laughs> painting yep. compared with giant warmongering bloodlusty machines and demons yes it is it, yeah it's very it's almost the the perfect embodiment of a hobby sometimes because of that very reason it's, it's like there's people who go out and do watercolor of like war zones <laughs> yes and you, and you can get as detailed as you like and you or you can get as you can go, you know, I'll do it simply, or I know people who do like really complicated painting jobs. It's quite impressive. Like whatever level you want to get at, it's, it's a fun thing to do. It's expensive. I'll give it that. Like the, it's not a cheap hobby, but it's it's fun. But in that story, the in the background story, they took it's, it's Warhammer forty thousand, and the forty thousand is about the number of years that in the future it's set. So it's set like four. It's the year two thousand and twenty three, but it's the year forty thousand. In this, in the far future, the grim dark. So future. they still followed the teachings of Christ. Then they still, still like. Well, yes, this is, we're governing our time frame <laughs> on when Jesus Christ no, came to Earth and, no, and died for our sins. The number, the numbers. Yes, when you look at the numbers, you realise that they couldn't possibly know because I'm not going to go into the whole story. And but yes, the the civilization collapses. There's no more people on Earth. Like, well, there are people on Earth, but like, there's no. It's all warring tribes. There's no way that that time is accurate. It's the only inconsistency in their entire IP, Dan. You've hit on it. Everything else makes perfect sense at all times. I, I like the notion that uh, there's all these, like, <laughs> floating witch monsters and, yes. and, 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 like, orcs and stuff. And then when it went from, like, 39999 to 40K, there was, like, IT professionals who were like, oh, this is all going to go sideways. We have to patch everything. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this... I, that, that's oh, a, no, it's the 400k bug. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea for a story because that's, that's actually a really fun idea of them trying to patch it but because <laughs> they don't know how to run. Anyway, I'm not going into the story. I'm not going down because I'll okay. talk about it forever. But, um, but they, it's set roughly 40,000 years in the future and they talk about in that story 30,000 years into the future, the emperor of mankind, like this psychic being that sort of had been running humanity with an iron fist, is unfortunately plans to become awry and is effectively killed, but not killed, like kept alive in a status throne. And now for 10,000 years has been using his powers to keep demons at bay, keeping humanity safe. But he'd been sitting on the, the throne for 10,000 years, immobile un, and untalking sort of thing, um, mm. un, uncommunicative and maybe dead, maybe not. Uh, who knows? That's just the thing of the corpse emperor. And they keep it like 10,000 years of stagnation, you know, the, and how the society has changed. Like, oh, my goodness, this period of time is insane. It's 10,000 years. And it's, I've always said, oh, yeah, it's a long time for, you know, people fighting on for 10,000 years and using the last – 
utterances of this emperor to build their society and then how it all gets horribly yeah. wrong. Because if you think about net, now it's 2023, 10,000 years ago, we didn't have agriculture. Exactly, exactly. So, and it's because it's a stagnating culture in this story that not much is, well, things have seriously changed, but all kind of gone backwards from a, from a tech utopia to, to like, you know, people using religion to beat each other to death. And it's, it's an interesting point, but, I had my mind blown a little bit because I was like, oh, 10,000 years is a long time. And then total change of thought process. But here in Australia, there's this something coming up called voice to parliament. So the indigenous Australian people are asking for a change in the constitution so that not for treaty, but so that they have more of a say over what happens to indigenous people in government. And that's going to be like a big referendum. It comes up in Australia by the end of the year. Of course, the Indigenous Australian people have been around in Australia for, on average, 60,000 years. And that number, when I started putting those two things together, I went, we keep, I was thinking about, oh, yeah, 10,000 years is a long time. And I went, I've just casually accepted 60,000 years and never really processed it as a period of time. Yeah. So I was all like, oh, yeah, 10,000 years, the corpse emperor in this fake show, this, you know, this fictional so, stuff. Like, why didn't... Why didn't the native Australians have mechs? <laughs> like, oh, they've had 65,000 years. They don't have giant battle tanks. It's true. They don't. Well, maybe I they did. A, I think this is a flaw in their culture. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, we're not going there. We are. I'm stepping. I'm tiptoeing away from this comment. But I, I've, I've been trying to work out a way of, of putting in my own head how much time this is. 60,000 years. And... This idea came from someone I used to work with. He talked about this during an acknowledgement of country and he used his arm. So he talked about his arm being from your shoulder being 60,000 years ago. And by the way, 60,000 years for Indigenous Australians coming to Australia, well, people coming to Australia first, that's, we don't know. It's a number. Um, some people say 50, some people say 65 to 80. I've even heard 120,000. I think on the podcast, was, there was a five, six years ago, there was a story about maybe 120,000 years of some evidence of, of a fire pit in Melbourne or near what we call now called Melbourne 120,000 years ago. We don't know. And no flying skeletal horses. No, not, not, not I just, it's just, I'm blown away. But what we'll, were they doing? We'll get back. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. We'll get back to that though. I will, I'll get back to that. We'll, we'll, I will vaguely interact with that comment. So I wanted to just try and give people the idea of what 60,000 years looks like based on your arm. So we're looking at a human arm. And by the way, that's male human arm. I'm going to absolutely say that. I made it, I looked it all up and then I was like, wait, it's male human arm. But your arm is roughly 60 centimeters long, roughly 64, yeah. 60 59 centimeters. 59 now, thanks to the doctor. But- <laughs> And women normally it's normally have like longer arms than men, but we're saying 60 centimetres roughly. And the, that means that every centimetre of your arm is a 1,000 years, every millimetre is a 100 years. So that all works out quite nicely. Wow. Yeah. So it's not much. So let's let's just go back in time then. So here we go. We're going to go back in time. We're going to look at where we are on the hand. So I've got my – the audience, you put your hand out, especially if you're around other people. We're looking at your hand all the way out. I'm looking at the inside of the arm. We're going from the tip of the finger, the index finger, all the way to your shoulder. So we're going to start at the index finger. Now, the English colonization of Australia, we're going to jump 250 years. That's two and a half millimeters. That's about 20% of a fingernail, the top 20%. The average – male fingernail of based on all of their mm. all of your fingers is roughly 13 millimeters 
That's the average. Also, also that first two millimetres is the whitest part of the whole thing. <laughs> that's <laughs> ironically. Hmm. Yeah. So that's everything that's happened in Australia of since English colonisation of this country is a couple of millimetres into your fingernail. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all it is. To not even a full fingernail. Then I've been trying to find different things to look at. It took me a while to kind of get things like you don't want to just do everything. Everything will just be a millimetre apart. So then I jumped back to Vikings colonising most of Europe. So the Vikings went out and like went hooray and kind of ran around Europe and took over a lot of England and went into the Mediterranean. They're all over the place. And that was mm-hmm. about a thousand years ago. A thousand years, that's sort of just inside your fingernail. So that white part, once again, of your the white bed of your fingernail, that's probably where we are about now. That's Vikings. That's Vikings. They're, they're the Vikings. And then I went, oh, how about the fall of the Roman Empire? So that's 1,700 years ago. And at the last halfway down the last knuckle, so your end knuckle on the index finger. So we've got away. We're no longer on the uh, the nail anymore, thank goodness. Now we are on that knuckle of that of your index finger. You're halfway down from the knuckle and the fingernail, basically halfway between the two. Between the knuckle and the fingernail. Yes, that, that, we haven't reached the pinky yet. No, uh, the pinky. Yeah. No, you were, yeah. Uh, no, I guess depending on how big your your finger. No, you wouldn't have reached. You shouldn't have reached your pinky at all. No, not unless no. you have a freakishly long pinky. Not at all. So that's the fall of the Ladies. Roman Empire. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Continue. No. So China was first united as a political entity about 3,000 years ago. And this is also into the, this is now the Iron Age. And that's your knuckle on your index finger. So we're now at the knuckle. That's it. We've only reached the knuckle of your index finger at this point. And that's Iron. Iron Age and also China. So China as a political entity, the the Qin dynasty. So cool. All right. That's, we're getting nowhere. Like, well, all the stuff I go, well, this this is is where everything happens. Like, this is all the Mm. stuff I know. Pyramids of Giza slash yep. Stonehenge. Yep. The first knuckle from the base of the index finger. This is, this is it. This is this, this yep. is where we are right now. And, gotcha. And that was and that that's the Bronze Age, and that's five thousand years ago. So now you're at the first knuckle from the. So you're now pretty far down on your index finger. But mm-hmm. now what's that? You're you're probably a little bit lower than your end of your pinky at this point. Just a little bit yep. lower, depending on yep. how freakishly weird your fingers are. Still one finger. We haven't even got to the hand yet. We haven't got anywhere near the arm. Like, forget mm-hmm. it. So then I was like, okay, well, what's looking things up? There's lots of history. But then I went, okay, well, what, what about agriculture? When did agriculture first start? Doing a bit of research. About 10,000 years ago, agriculture mm-hmm. sort of kind of began, as we understand it, in the Fertile Crescent. So this is in the Middle East, modern-day Iraq yep. and Jordan and Syria yep. and Israel and Palestine and Turkey, Western Iran. That's 10,000 years ago. That's So the- this is where that psychic guy died yes this is yeah basically the emperor of mankind if we yep. take this is where the emperor of mankind would have died at that point yes in, gotcha. in that story if we were basing on that time remember that's in the future don't confuse it too much though we're talking <laughs> but yes i refuse to take that advice on board <laughs> but so the so you're right though so it's from, it's from the start of agriculture in warhammer forty thousand story it's from what we call the start of agriculture to now is is when their whole story is kind of set which is crazy. But that's at the top of the palm near the base of the index finger. So it's just a little bit further down from the base of your index finger. But now we're on the palm. We're only just on the palm. This is agriculture. So cool. We're still like, we're nowhere near. Like, I was like, oh my God. So then I was looking, okay, when did people arrive in places like Asia? And they got there pretty early. Like, well, but well, well, it makes sense. People had to get to Asia before they got to Australia because they came by land bridges and things. So they, yep. this is well before. So that, okay, that killed that idea. But when did people arrive in Northern? Oh, but the, 
I think the people who went to China are not the same people who went to Australia. The ones who went to Australia went along the coast. They're Homo sapiens, yes. That's right. But Uh, but still, Asia is not just China, though. Asia is, is, you know... No. So there's a lot more than, you know, yes. So in Asia, it's it's well before humans arrived in in Australia. Unless they came across the Indian Ocean from Africa, they had to have gone through Asia to get there first. Yes. So it's before... 60,000 years ago. So it's, it mm. blows, it blows my thing out. So I'm trying to work out everything from only when Australia, um, people came to Australia. So I looked up when people arrived in North America, a bit contentious, but there's what's called the Clovis people about 13,000 years ago. And 13,000 years is from the tip of your index finger. It's now the middle of your palm. That's North American people, people in North America. We've crossed my lifeline. Yep, well done. And then out of interest, I went, when did people get to South America? It must have been, it must have been, uh, after that. But no, no, it's actually before that, which seems weird to me. I'm, I'm interested to work this out. But it's supposedly people, there's evidence of people 15,000 years ago in South America. And the, the idea is that they took boats and kind of zoomed along from the Bering Strait and along and down and uh, kind of ignored the coast of America. See, I thought the same thing happened with the Australian Aboriginals, that they sort of zoomed straight through to... Papua New Guinea sort of area. They might have. They, and yeah. then another group came along and sort of... Potentially. But, but I, I might be wrong about that. Look, that's that's fair enough. That's, we're happy to learn about it. There's definitely evidence of people taking boats all over the place, like, yes, resuming around, like, on coasts, not, you know, coastal moving and staying on the coastlines and heading north and south along coastlines and not moving inland If because they're probably boat people and they're not like, well... We're not going to go live where these giant saber-toothed cats are or terror birds. So let's not go anywhere near that nonsense. All right, so we're 15,000. We're still in the palm at this point. All right, okay, well, what am I going to jump to now? Well, the Ice Age. That's that's cool. How about the Ice Age? Uh, it is cool. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, dear. So with the Ice Age, I looked that up 25,000 years ago. Oh, I, that's this is like, okay, that's everything right. That's just below the wrist. Yeah. That's just one of the rest. That's the Ice Age. Yep. So, yep. so humans were in Australia before the end of the Ice Age, which makes sense because the, the the land bridges and everything they came through, if they came that way, well, there was more land because the water was all locked up in ice. And yeah, and let's face yeah, it, we don't want that. I'm glad we don't have that anymore. I'm glad none of our water's locked up in ice anymore. <laughs> not much of it. And then I really had difficulty. Oh, I we was should like, just finish the job, I reckon. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I'm just below the wrist. Like, I was like, we're nowhere. This is the Ice Age. We're talking about humans arriving at the shoulder. We're at the wrist. And then I was like, well, when did the megafauna in Australia go extinct? And my good old friend, Diprotodon, the car-sized wombat, the animal yeah. that if I could resurrect any animal, de-extinctify, it would be the Diprotodon. So it's, it's a car-sized wombat. That's all I want. And just ride it into battle in my game of Warhammer 40,000. Who are you battling with? Oh, just people, other, like, maybe monotremes, because I'd be a placental and a, oh, no, it was a monotreme. No, it's not. No, no, it's, no, it's a marsupial. So, yes, we'd be fighting the monotremes, like the evil echidnas from the something-something planet. That went extinct 45,000 years ago. That's... 45, oh, that's all, that's bicep territory. Well, that, no, that's your elbow. That's your elbow. Your forearm is much longer than your, your upper arm area. It's, it's, you know, it's not 50, 50 percent. Oh, good point. Yeah. Look at that. That's your elbow. So we're at the elbow. Thank God, we're at the elbow. And that's that's all I could find. That's it. There's but hang on. No, no, no. 40, 45 cent- But I thought the whole thing was 65 centimetres. 
60 or 60, no, 60. I went from 60,000, uh, 60 centimeters. So you're roughly 15 centimeters from the edge of your arm, from your shoulder down to your, your wrist as uh, your elbow, roughly. Oh, sorry, no, 65, sorry, 65, sorry, 65, sorry, 65, sorry, you're right. 65 yep. minus 20 gives you 45, which is roughly your elbow, roughly. So you reckon that's 20 centimeters? Yeah, I don't know. Isn't this I did, quite- I did, I did it on myself, and then I also worked on Girl Clumsy as well. I measured Girl Clumsy's arm, and her arms are freakishly long. And so human, these are all averages. So it's, I just all want- All the better for slapping you across the face. And, and get a lot of power behind it. That just blew me away when I realized how far like diprotodons going extinct, roughly the elbow, and then, then the next. There's just not so, much. There's just not much after that because. So the First Nations people they drove those di- diprotodons extinct, and it took them twenty five. We don't know that. Years. There is white people came to Australia. We can make things go extinct much faster <laughs> than that. We're much better than that. There's um. There's actually a lot of. I used to think that it, megafauna was wiped out, and there used to be sort of oh, within five thousand years, but it now it's like well maybe they were already. On the way out, we, the answer is we don't know. There's lots of different ideas of what wiped them out. It probably didn't help to have humans eating you. Let's be honest. We don't really know though. Mm. It's really interesting to me about this time period. Not only it was long. Hopefully that gives the audience a better idea of like how ludicrously long this is, but also how we lose information. We just, we just don't know what happened. Like I can rattle off. I could have rattled off a lot, lot more dates, a millimeter here, a millimeter there. In the first bit, when like from writing onwards, so writing is sort of roughly the same time as agriculture, 10,000 years ago, roughly. So that was near the top of the palm. So we've got lots of things there and everything else beyond that gets a bit hazier. And then when you start getting 60,000 years back, it gets real. Well, it's, it's not it's just all chips of bone. It's, that's right. Or fireplaces that are burnt. We have no idea. So maybe they did make giant skeleton mechs that, uh, you know, out of, out of wood and there just, there's no evidence left of it. Uh, right. we, I, mean, I know it's, I mean, I am being silly, but also you wouldn't know after 60,000 years, unless they made something, even something metal would rust. Like mm-hmm. it'd be very hard to find any evidence of like, anything. For instance, a war hammer. Some sort of. Some war, sort of war hammer. Some sort of war. Even that would crumble to rust and. Exactly dust. right. Exactly right. It's deep time. And that's not even super deep time. I mean, humans left Africa. 200,000 years ago, that's also argued as well, or 300,000 years in that ballpark. We have no idea what was actually going on, especially now with the Indigenous Australian people, the First Nations people. I'm always like, we just don't know. And so when people go, well, did they have agriculture? Did they make giant mechs? Because the answer is we just don't know until we, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. So I, yeah, I just find it really interesting. Mm. And that, that this time, long, deep time, it really upset me, deep time. That's not even that deep a period of time, but on a human scale, it is. It kind of messed me up a bit, to be honest. Yeah. And we do have evidence of agriculture. In Aboriginal society, we do like fish, fish farming, and oh, absolutely, farming oh, yeah, and absolutely, such. we do. Yes, and uh, and yeah. even some down in Victoria, there's been evidence found of stone buildings being made. And so you go, well, why didn't they all do it? And you go, well, because it's like saying, why didn't all of Europe make bagpipes? Because it's not, it's like it wasn't, they weren't one monolithic people. There were 200, at the time of colonization, there were 200 plus countries. And I'm assuming those countries didn't exist for 60,000 years. Humans being humans, they fought and struggled and took each other over and took over other areas. And it would have been lots of different people doing lots of different things. Yeah. It's, it's and bizarre. First- First place in the world where bread was invented. 
Like bread was invented in Australia. Blows my mind. Yeah. I've got to have First Nations bread. Yeah. I've got to taste. I've got to try that out. The first bread. That's right. Yeah. So there's still, it's the only, they're the only living ongoing culture 60,000 years. I mean, there must have been people making bread in Europe. Are we saying that bread, we've talked about this before, are we saying bread went from Australia and then with the technology or it, it developed in other no, places? It developed in other places as well, ah. but it developed in Australia. Wow. First. Okay. There you go. There you go. Amazing. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. That that phrase represents the First Nations people perfectly. That's <laughs> they, they weren't a writing culture, so things get lost. And even though they the oratory cultures can hold on to things, all it takes is a disease or colonization and people dying before things are passed on, and you lose everything. So it's mm-hmm. you know probably write everything down if you can. But I always wonder what about all the stories, like all the legends, all the. All the cool stuff like that. It's yeah, um, it's yeah, it's really interesting. I'm just whipping up a delicious meal. I've got all the important bases there, all your carbohydrates, all your proteins, but it's a bit bland, Greg. Oh yes. So, uh, so I'll, I'll add some fats. Ooh, yum, mm. yum. Uh, a little bit of sugar. Delicious. Mm. Uh, a dash of something acidic to help spark it up. Good, good. Uh, a decent helping of chlorine gas. <laughs> mm. Mm. It's um, it's missing something. Oh, I know. Just let me wash my hands first and not dry them thoroughly. <laughs> bon appetit. Sodium mm. chloride mm. salt. NaCl, a compound of forty percent sodium and sixty percent chloride. Why is it so? Damn delicious. Mm. Now, an evolutionary biologist would tell you that I'm asking the question back to front. Mm. Salt is important to our ability to function, so we evolved to enjoy it. But that's only really half the answer. It's, it must be the answer I would give. Like Your body's like, you should do things. I'll make pleasurable stuff that you should be doing. So, like, eating certain things, boning. Uh, that's, you know, that's, yeah. it's why yeah. we get in so much trouble. Like, it's like... Do this thing. It's dumb and it'll make a baby and that's stupid. So, um, <laughs> by the way, you won't be able to, young people, you'll just be mad for it. Mad for it. <laughs> just like we're mad for salt. Yeah, you need it. Well, basically salt, I mean, let's face it, you're, what you are is, a, is a, a big pile of cells that are moving salt back and forth between different cells. I mean, you're moving ions, yeah. it's ions back and forth and you need salt to do that. You, you, you're balancing out the saltiness of your insides and your outsides. You're basically a we, bag of ocean. Yes. See, we need salt in our body to live. Mm-hmm. Say we had a bunch of freshwater fish mm-hmm. and we drop the freshwater fish in the ocean. Mm-hmm. What happens, Greg? Well, well it, osmosis, the, the salt goes out of their cells and gets sucked out and they're like, oh, we're done. The, it goes towards the salt. The salt sucks up the water. So all the water inside the freshwater fish goes into the ocean. Yes. So the moisture inside the fish leaves the fish and it doesn't have enough water to live. And yeah, there are fish. I've, I heard a thing saying fish actually can not get thirsty. You don't know the experience of it, but a fish, they know when they're in a not salty enough environment or too salty an environment and they will move away mm. from it. So they're, once again, because it's something they need, they go, oh, I'm dying. So they can get the heck out of Dodge and go away from the, the fresh water or the salt water, whatever they don't like, and go to the yeah, salinity like, they require. This, this water tastes nice and salty. Yeah, yeah. Just like us. Yeah. <laughs> so you get a saltwater fish and you stick it in the fresh water, the water enters the fish and it doesn't leave. Mm. 
So it puffs up and dies. So our cells are like little fish in our body. (laughs) Which is the exact same metaphor that you struck upon moments before. They need just the right amount of water inside them as outside them. Not enough and they desiccate. Too much and the cell wall ruptures and they explode. (laughs) So the cells, they got a little bit of sodium in them. And the fluid around them has the same amount of sodium in them. Mm. Now, if that gets out of balance, you're in all sorts of trouble. The body will start sending out alarm signals. Too much sodium, it sends out a yellow alert. And it does so through the (laughs) urethra. (laughs) Your body holds onto as much water as possible. Try to keep that ratio of water to salt equal. So it wants to pee out a tiny amount of water and a heap of salt. Mm. Now, if you don't regulate it properly, this can lead to bloating and confusion and seizures and coma and death. I'm I'm peeing. I'm two is important. I'm two of those in there. I'm I'm bloated and what's it? Bloaters and confusion. That's definitely. I'm I'm definitely got those two happening already. Yeah. Seize. Well, actually, my leg. My leg just seized. Wait. Oh my god. I'm further along than I thought. Uh, Well, that's yeah. That's not enough salt. Ah, damn it. That's that's a different problem. So if there's not if there's not enough sodium, the body needs to eat more salt and pee out mostly water. Mm. This almost never happens, but when it does, it leads to a condition called hyponatremia. Force feed yourself water and don't urinate it out. Nausea, vomiting, headache from pressure on the brain, confusion, drowsiness, muscle cramps, death. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Le- mm. Levity sidebar. What's the best treatment for water on the brain? A salt lick. A tap on the head. Levity sidebar end. <laughs> so, peeing is important. It's true. So, regular salt is important and our body's involved to enjoy it. But the mechanism through which we enjoy it is quite interesting. Sodium is also important to the transmission of electrical signals in the body. Mm-hmm. So when any other taste is mixed with salt, the signal on our taste bud becomes supercharged. The whole channel through which the information goes opens up and that information powers through. So whatever that taste is becomes much more powerful and much more pleasurable. This also works in reverse. If you get salt in a wound, the nerve signal is supercharged and the pain feels greater. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's no fun. So, as we talked about a couple of episodes ago, if you rub sugar into the wound, no problem. That's right. Salt in the wound, yeah. all that pain, all that yeah, extra pain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yes, yep. Speaking of sugar, if I eat a spoon of sugar, yum, yum. Give me more, please. <laughs> if I eat a spoon of salt, not so much. <laughs> Why does too much salt taste bad? Our tongues love sweet and they love umami. A bit of salt will heighten these sensations, but more and more salt won't make these sensations better after a point. So if you keep salting something, all you're doing is heightening the other sensations that your tongue has access to. Those are sour and bitter. Ah. They're the ones we keep around to detect poison. Yeah, yes, yes. The more salt, the more poison we sense, and the more we want to spit it out and vomit it up. So that is why salt is delicious. And the official stance of the smart enough, no better, is that you should put more and more salt on all of your food. (laughs) Hmm. A medical thing that I went through as a child, hypo blood pressure, so low blood pressure. And so the doctor was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. He might need some more salt in his meal. 
And my mother was like, okay, cool. Let's put some more salt in this food and we'll do other things. And everything was going to be fine. And so everything was just freak him out. Wake him up in the middle of the night, scream. (laughs) (laughs) And then about a year later, I started going the other way, getting hyper blood pressure. Like I was like 14, 15 and I was getting head spins and this is very weird. So I went back to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh my God, your blood pressure has gone from ludicrously low to to ludicrously high, like for for a kid your age. If you're feeling anything different towards my mother and she was like, well, only the salt like you know putting like truck tons of salt in everybody and he went oh oh my god how much and i can't remember but it's like a lot and he was like oh my god how long have you been doing that like three meals a day for a year oh my god you need to stop you're killing your son you're killing him he's going to die you need to stop this and so yes my mother had misunderstood the um the like give him some extra mm. salt to make him lick like a salt lick every day. So yeah. I don't put a lot of salt in my meals now. Cause my, I just go, no, I, my brain goes, we've had enough salt in our lifetime. Yeah. We're getting medical advice. Make sure you check with the doctor what you mean by more salt and for how long or anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've got more, too much salt, your body has to pee out the salt. So it's like, get some, get rid of that yellow stuff like crazy. Yeah. If you don't have enough salt, then it's got to flush out all of this sort of really watery mm, pee. Yes. So if I don't want to wake up several times in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom, I need to get that just right <laughs> so that my body's like, no, 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 everything's fine. So it's maybe I need to sort of address some sort of real delicate balancing act mm, there. So you need to make sure you – yeah, probably, absolutely is. I just don't know what it would be. I don't know. You have to try different meals. What with the perfect salt meal or lack of salt? And how meal. do you measure? How do you test what salt content you are? There must be a test. There definitely would be, but you wouldn't. I don't think you need to. It's just a black box. You're putting an input and an output. So the input is what I'm eating, and the output is do I pee a lot at night? And yeah, then you then can I've just got... change things. You don't need to know what's going on in the black box. Yeah, but then I've got. But the problem is, you just we're, we're kicking the can further down the road. We've still got to measure the amount of salt that's going in. And I, cause, and that's really hard because I'm eating all these different things and there's all this hidden salt. Yes, but once you hit on it, let's say you keep doing it for a certain, you eat a certain meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacking per day, and then you get a certain result of peeing before you sleep, and then you change it to something else, and then you do that yeah, for Yeah, but a I don't know what I'm changing it to. What if I'm like, I switch from Doritos to CCs? Like, I don't know which one's the saltier. No, no, but no, 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 I know that. But you, but you can look at the food. You can start off by changing everything or whatever you want to change. See which, see what, if there is any change to your peeing and sleeping. But hang on, wait, he's shaking his head. But it, it's, but then once you go, well, this one, whatever this meal here was, it, I, I didn't have sleep. And then you go back and you change the individual food in each one. So you, you can change the food. Once you work out which are the general ones, which worked well, and then you can go and change one. Was it the ranch dressing? Was it the Doritos? Was it the terrible kangaroo steak or something? I don't know why it was a terrible kangaroo steak, but it's like eat fundamentally different this things. Seems, this seems like more work than just getting up and peeing. <laughs> just pee in bed. You just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you, the listener, indicate to us where we've made a mistake. <laughs> we were discussing whether the Terminator would cause a metal detector to activate. Mm, mm-hmm. We even set top-tier patron Scott Driscoll on the project, and he did not disappoint. <laughs> 
The T-800 had futuristic but standard metals. Ooh. They have enough ferrous metals to be affected by electromagnetic fields. You said it used a poly alloy. Mm, mm. The T-1000, the liquid metal one, was the one oh, with the mimetic poly alloy. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, I did a little searching, and indeed, in Terminator 3, the TX, or... And I say this with great disappointment in Hollywood and humanity mm. as a whole. The Terminatrix. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She was incapacitated at one point by a large electromagnet that stripped the mimetic polyalloy off her frame. Mm, okay. You can detect a Terminator with a security metal detector. Bearded hermits can find them buried at the beach and you can stick food <laughs> magnets to them. That's how, oh my goodness. Anytime I see a large Austrian man, I'm just going to lob a fridge magnet at them and it goes clang. You just run, run. Yep. In fact, it's a brilliant idea for detecting them when that future comes. Sure, they look like humans, but humans don't have legs that are covered in iron filings and old real estate fridge magnet ads. <laughs> I like the idea. You just walk up. It's it just being very friendly. You go, hey, stranger, welcome to the human compound. And you slap them on the back with some bonhomie, but actually you've just tried to stick a fridge magnet on their spine. You, you just get a whole bunch of fridge magnets that say that basically say kick me. <laughs> Shoot me with a plasma rifle. Uh, yes, it's it, and then you just go. Oh, hey, I'll just get you some food. And when you just give the code word, which is like, I'll get you. So I'll get you the big drink that you need. And everyone just leaves the room, and yep. and then you just crush them with it. Yep. You just pat them on the chest in, in your palm. It, you've just got a little name badge that yes. on the front, and it says, "I am robot." I'm like, <laughs> and you just run like heck. Uh, you got to wonder then. If you put a massive enough magnetic field on them, would it scramble their brain? You know, like Bender the robot from Futurama, when he got fridge magnets put on his head, it changed That's his personality. True. So could you do yeah. with the Terminator? Could you go clang? And you go, gold gray mare, she ain't what you to be. Like just yeah. like the Terminator just singing and dancing in the corner. Would that work? Would be crazy for a robot to like folk music. <laughs> 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 it's um <laughs> i'm glad we solved this one and i'm willing to walk yeah. the walk of shame on it all right i also have one for me because the world just likes hicking me we've had on the podcast before dr natasha hurley walker who does a lot of the book club stuff with me and as a good talent as an astrophysicist she was listening and heard me say that, well, the helium nuclei in, in radioactivity is a beta particle and not, but of course it's not. It's not, a, as she said, it's not. So it's, she wanted to say it's Sunday afternoon. It's time for Will Actually with Dr. Natasha. Uh, yep. <laughs> and it's based, of course, it is. I knew this. It, I went back because when she said this to me, when she sent me a message, I was like, yeah, yeah, I know it's an alpha particle. You know, why do you say beta then? I was like, I didn't. Went back and listened to it. I definitely did. Yeah. I definitely said alpha. And I was like, ah, nonsense. So yes, I will take that. So just so you know, an alpha, alpha particle is like the heavy, basically a helium nucleus. Like yeah, it's a big heavy thing. A beta particle is basically a electron. So it's, you know, basically an electron that gets fired. And a gamma particle is, is a light, is, is a photon. So it's, yeah, there's the difference. I, I love these ones most of all because it's not even chemistry. It's not even biology. 
You're supposed. You're a phys- You're supposed to know this stuff. I do know this like, stuff. This it's is just your wrong job. It's un- well, like, like people pay you for this. No, hang on. I, I like to and point. You're like, I'd like to. I, I'd like to point out yeah? that, that 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 this is this is not cosmology side. This is not the big stuff. It's, I deal with big things. This is very small stuff. This is this is this is this is all. Uh. This, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I also, I'm gonna. I, I now know that there are actual, real, like full on astrophysicists. You know, award winning astrophysicists, which <laughs> I stupidly invited onto the podcast, <laughs> and now listen to us. Hello, Doctor Natasha, who will keep me in line at all times. So all mistakes will be picked up on, and with glee, with glee. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't make two mistakes in the same. Ah, podcast. son of a. <laughs> So, let's move on. A listener called Joseph heard us discussing whether or not the term light included non-visible electromagnetic radiation. Sure. He said, outside the argument of whether Greg is right or wrong, Mm -hmm. to which I say, pick a side, coward. (laughs) Greg said, compared to visible light, microwave radiation, it's just a higher energy, short wavelength light. But... Microwave radiation oh. has a longer wavelength yes, yes, and yes. thus a lower energy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Joseph. Even in a moment where Greg is clearly in a position of superiority over me, <laughs> he is still wrong. I thank you for pointing that out. I and look, and I'll, I'll wear that. It's always been a problem for me because you change like the. the like freq- it's the frequency goes down and wavelength goes up sort of thing. Smaller the frequency, the higher the yeah. wavelength because speed of light is always the speed of light in a, in a vacuum, in a material. So it's the same. So if you decrease the wavelength, you increase the frequency. So that's, that's how that works or vice versa. And I always get it wrong. I don't know why it's, it, mm. I know this and I always screw it up. I, I go, yep. I, my brain went, oh, well, it's, it's, it's inverted commas closer to, well, lower. It's furthered closer to radio waves. And then I went, well, that must mean therefore it's a higher energy. I always make this stupid error. I always do it. It's just dumb. Makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. Also light. I will say, I will. I wasn't going to bring this up, but you look. You want to? If you want to play, we'll play. Oh no, 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 no! I I just said that. Uh, I, I, I just. I, I did just say that. You're clearly in a position of intellectual superiority over me. In this You're very kind of you, but um, yes, but uh, Doctor Natasha also was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that people. It's it's light. It's just light." Which wasn't even going to bring it up as like walk of shame because it was obviously an argument between <laughs> us. But yes, it was like, "Of course, it's light. It's light. What else is it?" So yes, but we're just going to. But I wasn't. I, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to pull that weapon. I wasn't going to do it, man. Yeah, what does she know? <laughs> She's a few. She has a few papers out there. That <laughs> what does Doctor Walker know? Dr. Helly Walker. Dr. Helly Walker. (laughs) Far too much. Far too much. Well, I don't like feeling this silly. So, Jess Quick wrote in. (laughs) Jess Quick wrote in and heard you say that Inuits have a million words for snow. Oh, oh, did I? Oh, no. Now, Jess sees that you're probably using hyperbole for storytelling effect. Mm, Thank you. The Inuit have roughly the same amount of words for snow that the English do. Oh. But their language is structured in a way that allows their word roots to be changed around more dynamically. So we might say it's snow in the air or it's snow that has fallen, and they Mm. might have a way of adding the root word for snow into the roots for airborne or landed. While we would technically call them different words, it's a feature of their language. Okay, yeah. Now, the common trope 
is that Eskimos have 50 words for snow. Hmm. Now, we don't use that word anymore. No. But Jess points out that using the word Inuit as a blanket term for what we once called Eskimos isn't much better. The Inupiaq and Yupik peoples might be disappointed to be left out of this vaguely racist trope. Think about what happens if you were to say that someone from New South Wales was a Victorian. <laughs> <laughs> that gotcha. Like a fish. They'd be very upset with you. <laughs> so the Yupik people are from Siberia. And the Inuit span Greenland, Alaska, and Canada. An anthropologist by the name of Igor Kropnik charted 10 dialects and found there are 93 words for snow in these 10 dialects. So, Eskimos do have, like, 100 words for snow, including 53 that the Inuit use, but that's only about 10 words for snow per dialect. That's fantastic. In fact, the Scots have over a hundred words for rain, so take that for what it's worth. <laughs> so it, thank you very much, Jess Quick. That's really interesting. It's I always wondered about that because I always thought it was an odd thing anyway. Beyond, and beyond the not understanding the Inuit and the different groups, that's really cool too. But I always wondered. You go well in English. We just have adjectives, so we just say hard snow, light snow, wet snow, sloughy, you know, sloughy snow. You know, so we just we have a different system of construction. So we only have one word for snow, but we can add in adjectives that change the meaning of the, of the word, which sounds very similar to what that Jess was explaining as well. Mm. That they they just do it in a different way. So that makes a lot of sense to me. It, it seemed odd that you'd have lots of words for snow when really it's like saying Germans have lo these lots of words and they do, but really what, what they do is hammer words together, like yep. slam them in together. And yes, it makes a new word, but I think they're just root words for other words. Yep. Very similar thing. Mm. That's cool. So thank you very much to our audience for listening real close, close enough to hear the gaps in our brilliance <laughs> and for pointing them out so we can shore them up, so we can spackle up this <laughs> podcast and make it as perfect as possible. <laughs> You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. You can interact with other people by going <laughs> to the website and commenting on the website. You can you can interact with people in lots of different places, but I guess you mean interacting with people with something to do with Smart Enough. Like, you know, oh, yeah. Re reflect on what you enjoyed the most from Ooh, this podcast. That's right. Yes. And do it in public on the website so everyone else can see and go, Yay. yeah, that was a good bit. <laughs> That part where Dan pointed out Greg was wrong again. I love that part. Oh, oh yeah, I'll go, I'll go back and listen to that a couple of times. <laughs> if you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can drop tips in the tip jar and you can buy shirts and stuff. Or you could support us by being a patron on Patreon. I'm the one who gets to see when people, I don't know if you can see it, but I know when people no. sell shirt, buy shirts and it's always gives me a really cool, like, Oh my God, I bought a shirt. And I always go to check which shirt got bought. And yes, you go, Oh, why? Oh, that one got bought. And I've seen people, people, we only have two, but people like the, the symbol, just our, our logo, but mm -hmm. they, um, but they also like the wonderful picture uh, commissioned by Michael Fitzhugh. So I, I, yeah, when, you, when you buy them, I know I'm, I'm there and I'm sending out good vibes and then someone else sends a shirt. I don't handle the logistics. That's, that's all done by elves, I assume. Some sort of capitalist gnome. I'm not too sure what's going on there. 
But we do get a little thrill. Like, oh, oh, God. God. Yeah, no, I get a massive thrrill. I, yeah, Someone on the other I, side of the planet is oh, like, look, everyone. I'm wearing a thing. Because I'd never wear a shirt with someone else's shit on it. Well, you can't wear your own band shirt. I feel weird. I, we ha- I do have shirts from our podcast, and I do feel very weird wearing it because no one ever has ever asked, but I always worry. Like, What's that? And you go, oh, it's my podcast, and then you just feel like a bit of a new... Oh, yeah, well, I don't uh, want to be in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh. It's maybe bad enough should, when it's like it's someone else's podcast. Maybe I should just get one that's just got your image on it, like the, your little your little uh, logo man, just all by himself, and without mine on it. And yeah. then you can and do you're the like, same what's thing. That? It's like, oh, it's a picture of my friend. That's right. Oh, that's- it's, I thought it was Bert. <laughs> hey, <laughs> well, I, I, that makes me Ernie. So hey. it's like, <laughs> oh, and now my and now my eyebrows are now I see my eyebrows, and uh, I'm just getting real. We are, we, are. we are a bit burnt, Ernie. We are a bit burnt. Yeah. All right. So, a big thank you to our tier two victims: Rita Rogowski, Lindsay Jenkinson, Andrew Potts, Gronya Maguire, Matthew Toy, Andrew Whitehurst, Elizabeth Yunkin, Mariana Scott. Oh, that's a new name. Ooh. Andrew Trousdale, Avi Greenbury, Matt Ewers, Ilana Mitchell, and Ivan. Thank you all so much for donating to the podcast. It amazes me that people spend money on this podcast in any way. And thank you. I just not me. We're we're one of the best podcasts around. We are. We we're are brilliant very- to listen to. There's a whole bunch of chaff out there. Oh, there is. There's we are much- wheat, baby. We <laughs> are wheat. We are nothing but. We are like a mm, a, a well crafted wheat beer, maybe. Mm. But yes, yeah, so thank you to people who who gave money. It's it shocks me that you do it, and uh, but in a lovely way. Like it's it's a it's a it's a it's a thrill on my tongue. Well, then you are going to be over the moon to hear that we have tier one <gasps> patrons, tier one patrons, yeah, you'll tier be- one victims, <laughs> and they are paying to be abused. <laughs> so. This time round, all my insults are based on the works of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Who we know can be stopped by magnets. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, so, Tom Seary, you have been described in some transcripts as a type of predator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steve Eichenhout, you're about as effective as a cop in a kindergarten. See Uvalde, Texas for more details. Oh, Dan. Steve Stewart. If I were to make a list of action heroes that included everyone on the planet, you would be the last. Very good. Robert Shelton. If intelligence was underpants, you would be the commando. Joey Wesley, Detesta La Vista. Detesta La Vista? Detesta La Vista. What does that mean? I detest the view. (laughs) Okay. Spanish insult. Nice. Okay, we're going multilingual. Yeah. Mikhail Kedar, if someone told me that you were of the same calibre as Arnold Schwarzenegger... I'd tell them that they were speaking total fecal. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And finally, Sean Seifkin, who still isn't paying quite enough for the punchline. Arnold constantly promises, I'll be back. 
dot, dot, dot. Finish the joke. <laughs> and a big thank you to <laughs> Michael Barnes, Al Batson, Morden O'Hare, and Scott Driscoll. I love that I don't have to write insults for you. It feels fantastic. It's satisfying to me as coming is, you know, as in having sex with a woman and coming. So can you believe how much I am in heaven? I'm like getting the feeling of coming in my email. I'm getting the female feeling of coming in my writing program. I'm getting the female of coming while recording. When I pump up, when I podcast out in front of 5,000 people, I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. It's terrific, right? You know, I am in heaven. Uh, actually paraphrasing something that Arnold Schwarzenegger said what about the, bodybuilding. I did, I, 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 can we say this? Is this something we're going to Is this not is, is this a, a famous quote that you've heard of, heard of before? I just don't know if we're going to be talking about it on a podcast. That's all. It's just like, are you going to be bleeping it or? No, it's just just a natural part of the body. I'm 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 disturbed and appalled, but that's fine. Um, Excellent. <laughs> Hopefully, that extends to the audience as well. <laughs> Did he say this? Did Alice Schwarzenegger say this? Yes. Holy yes. goodness. About bodybuilding. Oh, my goodness. About the pump. That's upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah, get a magnet on that man immediately. Yeah. Just, just shut him down. Old green mare, she ain't what she used to be. <laughs> and as we always like to say... Wait, no, no, no. Is, isn't it... Isn't it... Is it... Uh, we jumped? No. Isn't we, don't we do the whole... What have we missed? We've done Patreons. We've done buttons. We've done... Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Chat? Right, sorry. Okay, right. Yes. All There's right. nothing to pimp. No, no, I guess not. No. Oh, sorry. I just thought we... Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm actually ready for it. I just... I thought we jumped ahead somehow. Well, obviously, you're not ready for it, but that's well, all right. I'm, I'm, because I'm ready for it. Episode what, 200, we're going to get it right. Well, we might. Don't 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 make promises to things. Too much pressure. I don't make no Too Dan. Much pressure. No, no, no. Come on. Like we've set ourselves up as well-meaning imbeciles, and we don't want to have to extend ourselves beyond that. <laughs> what are you promising, Dan? For God's sakes, perfection. Oh my. Well, oh. <laughs> And as we always like to say, bloating, confusion, seizures, and death. As it cleaned it, it, all the molecules went back to O2 or something. Right. And it made the place stink. And (laughs) you weren't supposed to run it while you're in the house. Oh. And then, like, a decade later, I looked at this tech again, and it had been taken off the market. Because it was like poisoning people. <laughs> but also because o- o- it's o- it didn't work either. Ozone is O three, not O one. Like you're not going to get you're not going to get an o- oxygen molecule by itself. Ozone is oxygen molecule with an extra molecule of oxygen. That's why it's unstable. That's why a bit of energy blasted apart. So that would be oxygen monoxide. No, no, ox. ox no, it wouldn't be. It's just a. It's just an oh, oxygen. Look, I, 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 all I it's know not- is that it was like it cleans with ozone. It's like yeah. putting a thunderstorm in your house. <laughs> None of this is good. Why would we- <laughs> it's just something that I play with Jeff. It's the Blood Bowl game. It's the foot fantasy football like you know, stuff, and it's a silly game. But we you, uh, you stumbled over your words there, and oh. all I heard was uh, oh yeah, and we play this uh, foot fantasy. Oh okay, oh right, okay, no football. Oh yeah, you and Jeff got close when you. Came <laughs> <out>. <laughs> We've always been close. But well, yeah, three D printing. If you need something three D printed, yeah, let me know.
Cool. I have a very long list of people who have asked me to do stuff, and I've got through none of them. Well, you'll be pleased to know I can't think of anything that I want 3D printed. Everyone says that to begin with, and then later, <laughs> oh, when they look into it. I despise knickknacks, so <laughs> I don't need any knickknacks printed. No, no, no. The only other thing that I could possibly want is a replacement part for something that's old and broken. Yes. But I don't have anything that's old and broken. Oh. I just what? have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to have a whole bunch of new things that aren't old and broken. Yeah, a good point. So, in a couple of years, like in several <laughs> years, maybe half a decade, I'll be like, Greg, can you 3D print something for me? And you'll be saying, I'm afraid my 3D printer has been broken for two years. By that point, you'll just say, Siri, 3D print this from the magic print wall, please. And you'll go, yes, no problem. It'll be pooped out by the store sphincter that you've installed in your in your house. New, ap- new Apple sphincter. Bulging with possibility. <laughs> Ooh, lovely. <laughs> I think my point where I'm like, I'm I'm too old for this. Hmm. Is the Lego movie? <laughs> that, that was just a flurry of information, and I'm just like, I can't. It's too fast. It's too scattered. It's too frenetic. Please pause and tell a fucking story. And people are like, this is this this movie's amazing. I'm like, nope, nope. I'm obviously too old for this. I, but you understood it. I mean, you understood. You just it was maybe too fast. What I didn't understand is why anyone would like it like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Just so you know, Nat and I had our vaccinations yesterday, and I'm feeling a little blah, uh, which is the first time this has happened. I've never had this before. You told me it was impossible. You told me it was all made up. What? What was the reaction to the uh, having a vaccine? <laughs> you said this is this is just in your it's it's in everyone's minds, Dan. Did I really? Did I really? Yeah. You said is it recorded? People- is it recorded? <laughs> oh, uh, I think it might be. I think <laughs> it's it. in an episode. Oh no! Oh, hell! <laughs> it's Something's a- like oh no! It's a real thing now. It's happening to me. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> projects that I work on with someone with other people like the the flavor of them and like they they changed so dramatically something that I'm going to write with you is going to be very different to something I write with Nat Mm. and something we will write together Mm -hmm. no no absolutely it's just Mm. good to have it although on some level I am really hoping that the thing I did by myself turns out to be easily the most successful and I can just go and I'm just lending my genius to all these other people makes it makes it much easier um fingers crossed (laughs) Then you, can, then you can say, I helped little people. I helped them for a while, but then I moved on. I became far too important. No, I don't think I'll move on. I think I'll just lord it over everyone. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm all about. <laughs> yeah, so the Wodgen is like these Earth stories, and you realise all humans just see aliens and fairies, and we just it's the same picture. Because I, I watched a video about this just a couple of days ago, mm. is that because our brains are always looking for faces... Mm. When they see something kind of fuzzy and out of focus, they ju- in, oh. the brain imprints this sort of white space, two big eyes, oh. and like our brains are wired to see that shape and that. That makes sense. And so that's that's why we all see the grey alien. Yeah, all fairies. Would, fairies would have been the same. These big-eyed beings. People were very naughty, and the, the Wajin is like, okay, enough, enough. We're going to flood the lands. And so, hey, man, I like, take your people and go in this cave up this mountain. I'll save you. 
And so they all go up in the mountain and it rains and rains and rains and it floods and everyone else dies. And they're the only humans left on the planet Earth and they go and repopulate the planet. That's not what happened, of course. Sounds familiar. Sounds very familiar. Everyone's got flood stories. Everyone's got flood stories. And not because there was a global flood. It's just because everyone... I do. Well, that's right. Yes, if if you... (laughs) Exactly. If you were the only one who survived, Dan, you'd be like, ah... Frog Princess. God said, you guys should book a holiday to Norfolk Island. <laughs> <laughs> he can laugh about it now. There's tears coming out of his um, eyes as well. Though, so. yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's just still residual water. <laughs> <laughs> People do that. I tend to find that's a bit self-indulgent. And uh, we can be self-indulgent. It's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I I will talk to you very soon. Cool. Say hi to Nat for me. I certainly will. Oh, she says hi to you, by the way. So I didn't I haven't done that. Hey, yet. that all worked out beautifully. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah.